Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Advanced Route here on The Athletic, the show where we bring scouting and stats together to try to help you find success in your fantasy football leagues. I'm your host, Michael Beller, joined, as always, by the scouting brain on this show, my co-host, Emery Hunt. Emery, how is your week one of the NFL season, week two of the college season? Week one was excellent in the NFL because you're sitting back looking at some some of the things that you thought was going to happen actually happened, and it's finally real. So you're, you're excited to see football that counts in the NFL. And in college football, it's another wild week, man, where you have great games, really good LSU-Texas game. Um, had the broadcast that went great. It was a defensive battle, <laughs> a lot of turnovers, but uh, Washington and Jefferson was able to get the victory over Wittenberg. It's crazy, man. I mean, once it starts, it really never stops. We were talking right before uh, we went live here on this show, and you've got one heck of a week coming up again on top of you. Oh, yeah, man. You, you talk about the three TV shows that we do at Football Game Plan on Game Plus Network. Uh, we have a Wednesday show called Power Rankings. A Thursday show is our NFL All 32 show. We break down every NFL game of the week. And Friday is our college football tailgate show. We'll get you prepared for the games this upcoming weekend. And I also will be scouting at Boston College, Kansas on Friday night. And I have a broadcast on Sunday or Saturday, uh, Georgetown versus Catholic University, noon Eastern time in D.C. on Channel 50, uh, DC 50 in D.C. Or you can watch it online at the Patriot League Network TV. So a lot going on this weekend. I'll be at Giants game on Sunday. And Jets game on Monday night. So just a few football things between now and uh, the end of your weekend? A little bit. A little bit. (laughs) Oh, man, Emery. Well, let's take a look back at uh, the weekend that was in the NFL in week one. We had a a lot of interesting quarterback performances across the league, and that's where we are going to focus on this edition of the advanced route. Some good, some not so good, and we're going to run that whole gamut here. So I want to start on the good side of things. And if we're talking about good quarterback performances, week one has to begin with Lamar Jackson, an excellent game from Lamar and the Ravens blowing out the Dolphins 59 to 10, uh, 324 yards, 16.2 yards per attempt, five touchdowns for Lamar Jackson, just through three incomplete passes on his 20 attempts. And I believe you were saying that that line can't be high enough. Whatever it is, take the Ravens. You were certainly proved right. Well, I mean, I I, I live by the saying that anything that you expect shouldn't surprise you. So it was funny to see all of the the articles and the comments from everyone saying, oh, how surprising is this? How surprised that who would have seen it coming? And, you know, what a great day. But these are the same people that been has been calling this man a running back, receiver, every other position but quarterback the entire year off season leading up to the kickoff uh he has been everything other than what he went out there and did so i'm not surprised that he went out here and did exactly what he was doing at louisville i'm just shocked that everybody else was shocked that this was going to happen because everyone took the cheese thinking that when um john harbaugh was talking about they're going to run take the over he was bluffing he was joking he was being sarcastic uh really poking fun at those that that question whether or not a heisman trophy winning a quarterback coming out of a pro-style offense at Louisville could actually pass the football. He was making fun of that, and we saw that against the Dolphins, and now people are just discrediting the Dolphins, saying, oh, that's a high school team, that's a college team, when these same people spend all day on Twitter and on the networks 
saying that no college team could beat an NFL team. But since the quarterback they don't like went out here and balled out all of, all of a sudden, oh, he played a college team. Wait till he play a real NFL defense. So they keep moving the goalposts. I'll just sit back, laugh, smile, and be right. They're not going to be able to move him forever, especially if Lamar keeps playing the way he played in week one. What worked so well for him and this Baltimore passing game against the Dolphins? It was a threat of his running. And I don't think a lot of people understand that aspect of football to where just because you have the ability um, doesn't mean you always have to use it. But it's the fact that it's there. Let's look at it from this perspective. Uh, Let's say if you're sitting in a room and you know someone in there has a rocket launcher. The likelihood of chaos in that room is going to be low because of the potential of the rocket launcher. And the guy that has the rocket launcher may not even plan to use it, but the fact that he has it and is visible, that's the one that controls the room. And so when you look at Lamar Jackson's athleticism and his ability to run and what he has done his entire football career, in addition to his throwing the football, that right there had everyone focused on, hey, we have to stop the run. We have to key on the run. We can't get too aggressive. We got to be gap sound, assignment sound. And that just opened up everything in the passing game. So what we're probably going to see next week is the Cardinals focus on maybe his passing, and then he'll take off and run. But having that threat of the run really opened things up against Miami. I like the idea of uh, the the metaphor of uh, Lamar's athleticism as a rocket launcher. It certainly feels that dangerous metaphorically on the football field. Absolutely. And think about it. The Dolphins probably game plan for him running the football 15 times a game and thinking that he was going to have to pass when or if they stopped the run. They didn't even have to run. So the Dolphins probably game plan for something that didn't take effect. John Harbaugh, a great coach, knew that. And that's why they're able to look as easy as it was out there on game day. Yeah, Lamar had uh, Drew Brees-style rushing numbers. Three carries, six yards, certainly didn't need it to get past the Miami Dolphins. Um, Is this a game-by-game sort of thing that's set up for Baltimore? I imagine it is because, as you said, Arizona now, now that this is on tape, Arizona is going to be game planning most likely different than what Miami did going in to week one. But uh, is this just something that goes by that? Or is this a, did you see something totally different from this Baltimore offense than you did in the second half of last year when Lamar was starting? I think you're seeing more balance. They're allowing him to throw the football, which is what they should have done last year. But I understand why they didn't because he was thrown in there when they were four and five. And so they just had to really tried to win what they with what they could. Plus, you see the chemistry he has with these receivers that he's now been working with the entire summer as the full-time starter. So what we're going to see moving forward is a more balanced approach. So we're going to see more of what we saw against the Dolphins. You're going to see more rushing attempts from Lamar Jackson. You're going to see more passing attempts. So the balance is going to be there. They didn't really have to do much against the Dolphins because one element of their game was working. So why not stick with it? Uh, you saw that in Minnesota. Uh, you know, Kirk Cousins was only throwing the only threw the football 10 times because the run game was working. So why throw the football more than you have to? So I think that's just good coaching. And what we'll see moving forward is the balance of Lamar Jackson. We'll see a lot of what we saw from him at Louisville, his mix of passing and running. Some games is going to be more. Some games is going to be less. This was a game where his rushing was less. His passing was a little bit more. And obviously he could have thrown for more touchdowns. You had that drop by Willie Sneed. Uh, in the end zone, you also had a drop by Wilson on third down that probably would have moved the sticks and, and got him in position for a sixth touchdown. So 
we could have seen maybe six or seven touchdowns from Lamar Jackson yes, uh, last week. This week, we're probably going to see maybe two touchdown passes, maybe one rushing. So I think week to week, he's going to average about three touchdowns. And I think that right there is going to be something that people will enjoy if they have them on their roster. So you think that this offense, one way or another, can be, yeah, and obviously not when I say this explosive, I don't mean 59 points per game, but right, this, right, right. they can be this brand of dangerous, explosive offense, no matter how they're getting it done. Right, because now you have to worry about Marquise Brown. Now you have to worry about Miles Boykin. Oh, oh by the way, they have Mark Ingram in the backfield. I told people that Mark <laughs> Ingram was going to be super valuable against, well, you know, with Lamar Jackson. But you also have to worry about those three tight ends. So they have a wide array of talent around Lamar Jackson. So this is going to be one of the more versatile, uh, dynamic, and exciting offenses to watch moving forward. All right, let's move on to our next quarterback here, another guy who had himself a monster game in an easy win for his team. Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys roll over the New York Giants. Dak goes 25 of 32 for 405 yards, 12.6 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, no interceptions, certainly looked the part of a franchise quarterback. Was there anything new you saw from Dak? I mean, Dak, more than more than Lamar Jackson, more than some of the other guys we're going to talk about, is a known guy in the NFL and in the fantasy world. Did you see anything new from him in week one of this year than we've seen from him the previous three seasons? Much more diversity uh, within the passing game in, in the sense that they spread the ball around. We saw a lot of guys get involved, and they've gotten better around Dak Prescott. They bring in the veteran and Jason Witten, his safety valve, but they're still developing Blake Jarwin, who found himself in the end zone. Then you saw the value of a Randall Cobb coming in and replacing Cole Beasley, essentially the growth of Michael Gallup the emergence and continued growth of Amari Cooper and building that chemistry with Dak Prescott. So you saw more targets get involved. You saw much more aggressiveness and you saw the element of Dak Prescott, the threat of his legs being a part of the running game uh, allowed a lot more things to be open in the passing game. But I just saw much more confidence from Dak Prescott, confidence from the offensive coordinator in allowing him to throw, maybe throw on first down, maybe throw, uh, you know, himself out of a jam, throw on third and long instead of trying to throw a screen. So you saw more confidence within this passing game. And that I think that coupled with the young Giants defense was why they had success. But make no mistakes about it. Dak Prescott is who he is. Um, he started the year like he did his rookie season when he was in the running for the MVP as a rookie. So I was impressed with with his play, impressed with the offense. And we know this offense is only going to get better as Zeke gets into more football shape. Yeah, what did you see from that offense? Uh, Kellen Moore taking over, uh, taking over, running the uh, running the offense now there in Dallas. What did he bring to the table, and how did uh, Dak and the rest of the offense translate that into the thirty five points they put up on the Giants? Well, I think they allowed Dak a little bit more freedom to to you know call his own shots and and throw to the open guy. Normally, when you have quarterbacks and coaches that are essentially handcuffing the offense, they'll say, hey, this is your first read. This is your second read. If those two are not open, then, you know, take off, run, or throw it away. So they're allowing Dak Prescott to go and find the open guy, which eliminates the primary target. You know, you're throwing to the guy that's open. We talked about this last episode with Jacoby Brissett and, and that element of his game and what he brings to the table, throwing to the open guy, which means you can't key on one player. And that right there in itself 
uh, allows you to have more guys that are that are facing one-on-one coverage and finding the optimal matchup. Because if I can beat you with Gallup, now you're going to start to roll coverage over that way. I'm going to beat you with Cooper. You roll coverage over that way, I'm going to beat you right down the middle uh, with either one of those tight ends. So it's pick your poison. It was death by a thousand cuts against the Gi- Giants. And so we'll see uh, how this thing continues to progress moving forward. Again, it's going to get better because you have Ezekiel Elliott that's going to continue to get into football shape each and every game. Yeah, how do you think Elliott changes the equation for this team once he is fully back to being the guy who we've known him to be since his days at Ohio State? Well, I think what's going to happen, because the passing game looks to be prominent and looks to have a lot of success this year, he's going to find more room running the football. A lot of times you can use the run to set up the pass, or you can use the pass to set up the run. Whichever is working is going to complement the thing, the secondary part of your offense. And so from what we saw against the Giants, it looks like the passing game can help open things up even more so for Zeke for uh, Zeke Elliott. Uh, two questions before we uh, move on from Dak Prescott. Number one, is this going to be the best offense that we've seen from the Cowboys in his four years in the league? Absolutely, because you have guys that are explosive before and after the catch, so they can get deep, they can get vertical, they can make things happen. Um, they have a lot of versatility within their offense. Randall Cobb is a good third down guy, good valve safety valve guy and when they start to put Pollard in more of passing situations instead of trying to force him into being a a true tailback and allowing him to be a complement to what Zeke will bring as your down in down out guy this is the best and most versatile offense and as Blake Jarwin continues to emerge he's going to take he's going to have a lot more opportunity because everyone's going to be focused on Jason Witten and Witten is going to have his because Witten is you know, the guy that for whatever reason seems to get open despite running a, a seven, eight, nine in the 40. Uh, so I think this offense will be the best offense we've seen around Prescott or in Dallas in, in quite some time. All right, I'm actually going to slide in a follow up to that. So I guess I still have two questions, including this next one. We know Dak, consistent fantasy guy, Zeke, fantasy star, Amari Cooper, fantasy star. Can this offense support another fantasy guy, most likely being Michael Gallup? Can he be that fourth guy in this offense who's a regular starter in the fantasy world? I think so, because Quiet has kept the, the Cowboys defense only had one sack um, last week against the, the Giants. And if that's the case, let's say they run up against a better offense. They're going to need these guys to put up more points. They're going to have to outscore some people. And so, yes, I think there is room for another fantasy option, strong fantasy option from this offense. All right, and then this last part here uh, has to do with both Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott. You hear a lot of uh, people, a lot of talking heads say, yeah, they put up 59 points, but it was against Miami. Yeah, they ran away with it, but it was against the Giants. Uh, How much does that actually matter? It doesn't because they are in the NFL, and those people that say that are straight haters, like legitimate haters. Because if it was a quarterback that they like or a quarterback that they thought was going to be do well, imagine if Baker Mayfield went out there and blasted the Titans all we'd hear about was Baker Mayfield and his play against the Titans. And so because it was the, the you know, the Giants or the Dolphins, now you won't hear as much. They're going to they're going to find a way to explain it away or minimize it. But that's just unfair. That's straight hate activity. Um, and at the end of the day, last time I checked, the NFL has 32 teams in the Miami Dolphins and New York Giants are two of those 32. Absolutely. I'm with you there. And uh, I like Dak again this week with the Cowboys going to uh, Washington. Maybe, yeah, you find, uh, find yourself uh, some uh, some spare time while you're down in D.C. Maybe you could uh, check out the uh, the Cowboys while you're at it. Well, that's only 
for Saturday because Sunday <laughs> I got to be right back at Giants Bills. I'm becoming the Bills expert over here. The last yeah, seriously, <laughs> seriously. Well, we'll save Josh Allen for a little bit later. I want to go to Baker Mayfield since you brought him up. Uh, as you said, uh, an ugly performance for this Browns offense. Uh, a real letdown considering the uh, hype that surrounded this team all summer. Uh, get blown out in their own building by the Titans, 43 to 13. Baker Mayfield goes 25 of 38 for 285 yards, seven and a half yards per attempt, one touchdown, three interceptions, really came apart at the seams in the second half there. Uh, Why was this such an ugly performance from the Cleveland offense? I think a lot of it had to do with the offensive line being inconsistent. The first drive, you know, yeah, they went down and got a touchdown, which was great. But if you go back and look at it, the first play of the game, Baker damn near threw an interception. Like that ball hit two Titans. Uh, one batted it to the other and hit him in the stomach. It's like, man, what, what did he see there? There were two Titans standing right there. Maybe that was foreshadowing what we were going to see the rest of the day. So I thought it was a little bit of Baker not being able to handle pressure. And the offensive line couldn't stop that downward pressure they were getting from Tennessee. And you would think if the offensive line isn't doing a great job in pass pro, hey, let's scale back a bit, lean on that ground game. This was a close game for a long stretch before it got a hand with the pick six and things of that nature. But if they were able to to really lean on that ground game and take some of the pressure off that offensive line that gave up five sacks, I think that right there would have helped them out in, in you know, until their passing game get, finds that rhythm. Because remember, this was a team that barely had, if at all, uh, Odell Beckham in the preseason in, in games. And he even admitted he wasn't his full explosive self. So he, was out there gutting it out, which is commendable. And Baker was was playing well early on. Then he started to struggle once the offensive line started to weaken. And I think if their if their O line gets uh you know gets a little bit better, um especially at left tackle, um, you know, guard was an issue as well. So if they can get better up front, I think they'll be fine. This wasn't as alarming as some other teams like Miami. Uh I think Cleveland, it was a combination of them having an off day. And Tennessee came with it on it on their mind to to really make a statement against a team that was getting a lot of hype in the offseason. Okay, so you you see this as uh, as ugly as that second half was for this team that things unraveled quickly and there's good reason to believe in them bouncing back. Absolutely, because again, they're still a talented team. You know, they still have Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, uh, David Njoku, Nick Chubb, Rashard Higgins, and they're gonna get back a. Uh, Kareem Hunt later on in the season. They're going to get Antonio Callaway back. So this team is still going to be talented. We just uh, we just got to realize that they had an off day. Offensive line was the big question on the offense. Really pretty much the only question that people talked about uh, all summer for the offense. How do they clean up what went wrong against Tennessee? It's about the offensive line finding a way to you know win their one-on-one matchups pick up these stunts and blitzes and things of that nature that, that a defensive line will throw at them and just playing better. It's just about each individual guy playing better. Baker has to play better. Receivers have to do a job, a better job of, of making sure they're where they're supposed to be. Um, running game has to, to, has to work. Coaches have to get better. Again, this is also a week one for the coaches. As far as play calling, we, we just saw uh, Freddie Kitchens' first season as a, you know, first game as a head coach. Things change when you're in that seat, and it changes from the preseason. In-game adjustments, all that stuff that you have to really work out 
in, in, you know, real season games. And I don't know how much they went through all of these situational things in preseason. And even then, it's still not the regular season. Things change when you're in that hot seat and things are and bullets are live. You can't fake live action. And although preseason gives you a good simulation, what we saw week one is the best teacher of, okay, what we have to do, what we can do moving forward, where do we have to adjust, all of those things like that. So we'll learn a lot more about this football team and this coaching staff next week against the Jets or this upcoming week against the Jets on Monday night. Yeah, and you're going to be at that game. So what are you going to be looking for out of this team on Monday night? Monday night, I want to see more consistency. I want to see a team that comes out, starts like they did, start like they did against Tennessee, and finish like they did in the beginning. You know, you want to see a team go from start to finish playing consistent football. You don't want to see the, you don't want to see a team fall apart. However, if there are elements of the game or, you know, areas of the game where they fall apart, how do they quickly rebound, rebuild, and go forward? That's what you're looking for. You don't want to see a team, you know, that has a lot of personality fall apart and and start to think, whoa, is me, because there's way too much talent on offense, way too much talent on defense for this team to start the season 0-2. Uh, last thing with the Browns here, uh, a scale of one to five, one being whatever it was one game, five being hit the panic button. What's your level of concern for the offense? I would say zero. I have no concern <laughs> about the Browns offense. Okay. I, I think the Browns will be just fine. It, it's just a perfect storm that hit them in Berea this, this past weekend. I do believe we'll, we'll see a team. It, I mean, listen, this is one team that probably knows it can't deal with another loss on a Sunday because they'll have to hear from everybody in the media. They don't want to hear Colin Cowherd's voice. <laughs> they want to make sure they shut at least him up next week when if they win, especially seeing that he's a big Sam Darnold fan. If they can win that game against the Jets, I think they can quiet Cowherd for at least two weeks. All right, let's go back to one of your uh, other favorite quarterbacks from the preseason that we talked about on this show uh, probably about a month or so ago. It was Kyler Murray. A little bit of uh, first-game rookie jitters, it seemed like, in the first half. Totally understandable for anyone. Ultimately uh, mounted a ridiculous second-half comeback in a great fourth quarter. They come away with a tie against the Detroit Lions. Kyler goes 29 of 54 for 308 yards. That's 5.7 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, one interception, ran the ball three times for 13 yards. Uh, Let's start with the bad for Kyler. What went wrong in that first half that had Arizona's offense looking totally out of sorts? Protection, Uh, number one and number two. And Coach Kingsbury said this postgame that he got too cute in the first half and made some adjustments, and that's what allowed them to have success in the second half. So I think – they have to find a way to protect Kyler Murray. A lot of times you see these offenses that want to go empty and credit. You can go empty when you have a guy like Murray that's a, a mobile guy so he can serve as his own blocker um, because he can get out of out of trouble. But if a team just can just blitz you and really throw things off and how much you're going to rely on him running himself out of, out of a jam, getting himself tired only to have to come back the next play and execute the offense. So – Protection, I think, was a big issue, and play calling was a big issue. Now, Kyler missed some throws, definitely had some some uh, some ugly throws, but once he settled down, he started to play better, started to get more confidence, started to find open guys. He 
figured out that Larry Fitzgerald is a future Hall of Famer. Might be important to get the ball to him as much as possible, which allowed everybody else to get open. Then he found them. So you start to see his confidence grow with each and every with, with every pass uh, as the game rolled on, especially in the second half going into overtime. He played his best ball. So I think he has a lot to build on based off how he finished, juxtaposed to how he started. He saw what he did wrong. Um, this offense saw it, it, it did wrong. Uh, they made adjustments at halftime and he had a better output on, you know, in the second half. And so I think that's something that's positive from their situation, more so than what we talked about with the Browns. What specific adjustments did you see from this team in that second half that let them be the offense that so many of us were excited about coming into the year? Well, they just started playing. They just started executing, you know, and a lot of times there's, you can, okay, this, this, this guy moved over inside, you know, tight split and, you know, they had him running this this route. They ran these concepts. All they did was just stop, shoot themselves in the foot and they executed. And that's the biggest key. You know, football is not that hard. It's blocking, tackling, and execution. And so what we saw them do, execute better. We saw Kyle Murray get his accuracy intact. You know, he wasn't trying to make the big play every play. Sometimes the big play is throwing it short and allowing your receiver to make the big play. And so we saw them just take better care of the ball play better, play, play you know, more sound, and that's why they had the success, success they did in the second half. As you said, protection was an issue in the first half for this team. Cliff Kingsbury came out and said it. He's getting a little too cute, uh, getting a, maybe a little bit too – putting too much on Kyler's ability to wriggle his way out of uh, precarious situations. If they really look to tamp down on that in week two uh, against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore, a game where they're big underdogs, uh, how are they best going to do that? Are they going to have to keep in a sixth guy uh, to block? Are they going to have to give extra protection to Kyler Murray? Or are there other ways that they'll be able to to do that to counteract uh, what could be a pretty strong rush coming from the Ravens? The best way to stop a pass rush is to run right at it. So you want to turn those pass rushers into run defenders and see how much they want to get off blocks and stop the run. Now, the difference with this, with that philosophy and this, de- this defense that they're going up against, they're very good at stopping the run. But if you're Arizona, you have to be able to run the ball um, because you can't allow a team that's predicated itself on pressure to get pressure. And one of the things that we really haven't seen from any one of these air raid offenses is a propensity to stick to the run. So just like we talked about with Lamar Jackson and their offense, Arizona has to zig when everybody else is zagging. So they're in in that regard, um, Baltimore is going to come in and expect a lot of pass plays. We just saw him throw 54 times in a game that went into overtime. Maybe this time you throw 28 times. You know, maybe this time 30 is the max that you're shooting for. And you pick your spots where you want to go empty and take advantage of a defense that's going to be without Jimmy Smith at corner. So you find your opportunities and you just be smart about it. You know, maybe you you still keep your same, hey, we're going to line up empty, we're going to air it out, but maybe you keep a tight end attached to the line of scrimmage to help protect them. And, you know, you slow release them, check block first, and then go out into a route. So there's subtle ways they could have success moving forward uh, without just going straight guns a-blazing five wide, get out there and run around and, you know, try to find an open guy. You just got to find your spots and, and find ways to, like I said, zig when Baltimore is going to be zagging coming to this ballgame based on what you did last week. Not sure if you saw this, but I just checked in about uh, 
50 minutes, 45 minutes ago, uh, the Cardinals announced that uh, Marcus Gilbert uh, is going to IR, likely torn ACL. I think he was already ruled out for week two, but uh, h- how do they uh, rebound uh, with what we just talked about, knowing that uh, he's going to be down for likely the season? Well, you got to have that next man up mentality. You know, do you trust the guys? You're supposed to trust the guys that you, you've you know built that depth chart with um, going into the season. All those guys that, that are on that roster, you trust those guys. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on that roster. So if you look at who is backing up Marcus Gilbert, right now they have uh, Brett Toth, who played at Army. I'm sorry, I, I do believe he played at Army. Um, yeah, he played at Army, played with the Eagles, and now he's going to be starting. So do you start the rookie? Do you start your rookie seventh-round pick, Josh Miles, out of Morgan State, who's a very good athlete? Um, do you go out and get a veteran? Uh, do you slide a guy that can't play tackle out to tackle and stick in, you know, Mason Cole, maybe at guard who knows, but they have to figure it out. They have a full week to figure it out and get some semblance of continuity there. Uh, yes. Losing Marcus Gilbert is going to be huge because he was your big, you you know, um, trade acquisition this, this past off season. And so, you counted on him to be a fixture, your book into DJ Humphrey. So we'll see who they bring bring in. They're going to probably have to call somebody up from uh, the practice squad or bring somebody in. So we'll see. But that option right now is gone. So at least it happened during the game and not during a week of practice where now you're really scrambling. So we'll see how they adjust. Yeah, just to uh, close the loop on that, they did uh, sign Jordan Mills uh, to take his spot on the roster. But there you go. Jordan Mills, I thought, was um, pretty solid at Louisiana Tech. I thought he had a solid career with the Bears. Um, So we'll see, you know, what he can do coming in and going to have to play right right away. I don't think he's going to start, but he's going to have to play. Given how excited you were for uh, both of these guys, how excited are you for this week two matchup where you get to see Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray on the same field? Uh, Very excited because it's going to be strength versus strength. You know, I, I know the strength of this team is the, the their offense, um, but don't sleep on that front seven, man. I think that front seven of, of Arizona is very underrated. It's the back end that I'm worried about uh, because they're so thin. They're starting to rookie in Byron Murphy. Uh, we know they're going to be without Patrick Peterson. We know um, Robert Offer was hurt, and so he's going to be on IR. So, yeah, they, they have some injuries. Brandon Williams, another guy in the secondary is hurt. So they're thin on the back end, but that front seven – is still pretty doggone good. And that's going to be a challenge for Baltimore from a pressure standpoint. So we may see more Lamar Jackson running, or we may see them move the pocket left to right and take advantage of a secondary that's going to be weakened at the cornerback position. So it'll be a good chess match to see, you know, how Baltimore exploits his defense and how Arizona, uh, you know, take care, takes care or uh, protects their offense. Let's hit the two quarterbacks that you saw in person last week, as you said on the show last week. And as you said off the top here, you uh, were at Jets Bills, saw a uh, Bills come from behind 17-16 victory over the Jets. Let's start with that Bills quarterback from that game, Josh Allen. An up and down game. I think that's sort of... uh, characterized his uh, brief NFL career to this point, up and down, 24 of 37, 254 yards, uh, 6.86 yards per attempt. 
He had a touchdown late to John Brown, the game winner, threw a couple of picks, uh, ran it 10 times for 38 yards. Obviously, uh, that's huge in the fantasy world because those 38 yards are just about equivalent to a passing touchdown. So love to see that for fantasy purposes. Uh, What did you see from Josh Allen? Uh, Start with the bad. What was was not so optimal from, uh, from his performance in that game against the Jets? Just a awareness in pocket presence and accuracy. I thought that was still what it was back in his rookie season. There were some throws that he missed, you know, some some situations where you you thought, hey, why did do why doesn't he just get out of there and take off? Like there was, you know, and I felt like Buffalo was treating him like it was in the preseason, like, hey, stay in the pocket, focus on this, try to hit this, you know, this concept, hit this route. And he was you know, basically playing with one hand to tie behind his back because, you know, his game is that of, you know, is that is predicated on him breaking contain, scrambling, finding somebody deep downfield. They wanted him to play more in the structure. And I thought that limited him early on. We saw him throw a pick six. Uh, that wasn't his fault. It bounced off someone. And then it, you know, went to CJ Mosley's hands and went back the other way. But in the second half, when they let him play his game, you know, he scrambled a little bit, picked up some more yards, picked up a first down here, uh, found uh, John Brown deep down the field uh, for a touchdown. And again, th- it's always up and down with Josh Allen because the play before the field goal, which gave them the you know the points needed um, or gave them three points, a crucial three points, Marcus Mate drops an intercept that hit him right in the face. So if he catches that intercept, that right there takes three points off the board. Jets win. And so you saw a lot of inconsistency from him, but you also understand why um, you kind of like him because his arm strength is ridiculous and he could shrink space so much with his arm. So he can go from the far hash to the opposite hash outside of the numbers on a deep throw on a you know 10 yard out on that, you know, that far away and throw it with you know with so much velocity that you think it's a regular five yard speed out on the near hash so his arm strength causes problems defensively you really have to be uh you really have to know where you are on the field and how much space can you close you have to know your own athleticism when you're facing a guy like josh allen because again his arm can out throw coverage it can out throw zone coverage he can it's almost matt stafford like in that regard and, you know, Jake Cutler had a pretty strong arm. Uh, Mahomes has a strong arm. So when you have that, you if you can't close, if you think you can close, you better cheat a little bit and, and get a head start because that dude can throw the football and they can get there in a hurry. Is John Brown the obvious beneficiary of that skill set? Is he clearly the number one receiver in this offense? Obviously, he had the big game in week one. I don't know, man. I, I kind of came away that with the idea that it could be either John Brown or Cole Beasley. You know, either one of those guys could be the guy within his offense. I like the fact that they have those two guys that can work underneath. You know, I have an article out on The Athletic uh, talking about that, how they were able to work the underneath game. And when you have that, and I think I think that's one element where Josh Allen got better, his accuracy underneath which requires you to hit, you know, passes with touch, was perfect. I thought he did a great job in a shallow area of the field. Um, And when you have guys like a Cole Beasley that can shake himself open or John Brown that can really, 
you know, run away from man coverage across the field or has the speed to get deep down the field, get vertical. And Allen can hit that. So, well, not consistently deep. He can't he can't hit that consistently yet. Uh, but, you know, I thought he was good in the underneath area and hitting those guys in stride. That's where I think both Beasley and Brown have value. What do you look for him this week? What do you want to uh, What do you want to see? You're going to see him up close and personal again uh, with the Bills staying in the uh, New York City metropolitan area, taking on the Giants this week. What do you hope to see from Josh? If you and I are sitting here a week from now saying, wow, Josh Allen really looked better in week two, what will he have done to make that happen? I want to see him start to attack deep down the field. I think the deep ball could be in play uh, this week versus the Giants. And I know you, you see – you don't want to get caught up into a trap where, okay, well, the Cowboys did this, so the Bills should do that. You know, different team, different matchup, different personnel. But you want to see him take advantage of the Giants inside linebackers over the middle of the field. You want to see him take advantage of potential miscommunication between the secondary that's rebuilt. You're talking about three new guys in the secondary, one being a rookie in uh, DeAndre Baker. You got Jabril Peppers out there along with Antoine, but they all new players. Uh, so you want to see how he takes advantage of potential miscommunication with the defense. And a lot of times you can do that with, and that's going to be required by the play callers, you know, um, you know how they layer routes to where they can influence bad decisions by a defensive back and, and let Josh Allen pick and choose where he wants to go with the ball based off the reaction um, or the influence of those defensive backs. We are talking about the quarterbacks here, but uh, this is a fantasy show, so I'd be remiss if I didn't at least get your uh, quick scouting breakdown since you also got to see him in person of Devin Singletary. Obviously, he's a very popular, uh, exciting guy in the fantasy world after it looks like he could be the guy for the Bills uh, going forward. What did you see from him in week one? Well, he had four carries for 70 yards, and it, and it was three of those were like big runs. He had like a 20-something yard run. You know, he had a 30-yard burst where I thought he was about to score. Uh, I thought he made one too many moves, which got himself tackled. Had he stayed on track, he probably would have, you know, either outran the defender or waited later to set him up for a move, and it would have been much more effective than making that move initially when he did. Then he had a 12-yard burst coming down the sideline where he darted outside. It was an inside run, darted outside, and was, you know, able to hit the corner. So I was like, and they barely ran the ball. I want to, the first run play for the Bills came with 26 seconds left in the first quarter. So they came in with the mindset of trying to get Josh Allen to a groove. And with the way and how effective Singletary was in his role, juxtaposed to Frank Gore, I'd be, I would be interested to see how his role grows because he definitely has much more juice. You see the difference between young legs and old legs uh, with Frank Gore. So, you know, I just think that um, he definitely has a, a role within this this offense, and it was impressive in, in week one with what he was able to do in just a limited amount of touches.
Yeah, definitely an interesting guy to keep our eye on over the next few weeks. Could be one of those running backs who was drafted late, ends up being a huge fantasy asset all season. One more quarterback I want to hit on before we wrap it up here in this episode of the Advanced Route. That's Sam Darnold. Uh, one of the most disappointing performances for me in week one. 28 of 41, 175 yards, 4.27 yards per attempt, barely pushed the ball downfield. And that was something that he did a lot with success uh, in the second half of last season, threw a touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, what did you see from Darnold in person? Yeah, uh, he missed some opportunities, you know, deep down the field. He missed Robbie Anderson. Um, he underthrew him one time, which would have been a touchdown had he hit him in stride. And that was real shocking because his deep ball usually was what uh, attracted you to his game. He could hit you in stride, if he, especially if he had clean pocket. But I thought his mechanics were all over the place. Footwork wasn't where it needed to be, uh, which threw off his accuracy. And then once the offensive line started to not have success later in the game, it just threw everything off. Um, I still think he gets a little bit happy feet in the pocket. Pressure or no pressure, his feet start to move unnecessarily. Um, so he has to really calm down his footwork to to maintain that level of accuracy trust his fundamentals, and he'll be able to hit those deep throws. I think his numbers would have looked – well, I know for a fact his numbers would have looked a lot different had he connected on those two deep shot opportunities that he missed in his game. And that could have been a difference in them winning or what we saw Sunday, them losing that game. Do you have any concern for this passing game just because of how ugly a performance it was? Uh, coming out at home week one, you're favored. Uh, Bills have a good defense, but still it was just such a such an inefficient performance from this passing game. Does that give you any pause going forward? Not really because I like how they utilize Jamison Crowder. Uh, he was their chain mover essentially. They found him over the middle, the middle of the field. He was their version of John Brown. So I wasn't worried about I wasn't you know disappointed in their passing game you just want to see more consistency from Sam Darnold and we didn't see that you saw glimpses of what he could be you saw him hit some some good throws and then it just fell apart later in the game and you know juxtaposed to the offensive line having some issues but it wasn't that bad of an a day for the offensive line as people are making it out to be Sam Darnold just has to play a little bit better uh, there were some questions about the new coaching staff, Adam Gase and Dowell Loggins, coming over from Miami. They worked together in Chicago. Uh, there weren't necessarily huge uh, um, success stories to be told from those two stops. Obviously, Gase uh, had a, a great run as the Broncos offensive coordinator before going over to Chicago. Uh, what did you see from the coaching staff and the way that they uh, schemed Darnold in the passing game in week one? I thought they did a good job. I, I always wondered, you know, what would, did we see or what would we see um, that we didn't see in the preseason? I was mainly worried about our, you know, concern about personnel groupings and, and how would that look? So I, I have to go back and watch the tape to chart that and see what we saw and what we didn't see in the preseason. But the play calling, I thought it had good pace. I thought he did a good job in, in getting Le'Veon Bell the ball and having those guys have success. You know, you you didn't see much of Ty Montgomery. So I think again, week one coaches still trying to figure out their, their system and their, you know, groove as far as play calling and, and game day adjustments. And you want to see how that um, yields itself moving forward. Because again, you didn't see much of Ty Montgomery. Um, you didn't see much of Trenton Cannon on offense. They came in pretty uh, tied to what they, their original plan was. They didn't really adjust uh, per se. Um, 
and that's probably why you saw what you saw out there on game day. Yeah, and we get to see two of these quarterbacks again, another uh, two of these guys matching up as we uh, talked about, De- or excuse me, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, Browns, Jets, Monday Night Football in New York, I guess in New Jersey, right in the New York City metropolitan area. Emery, you will be there. What are you hoping to see from Darnold on this side of the game? Consistency. I want to see him take control of this offense. Yes, it's a new offense, but you want to see him have some confidence, take control, and connect on some of those deep balls. There are going to be some opportunities, and this is a tough matchup for this receiving core because of that secondary um, that you're going to see from Cleveland. You have uh, Denzel Ward. You have Greedy Williams. You have Demarius Randall at safety. So you're going to find out a lot about you know Darnold and his ability to work with these receivers and throw to a covered guy. And if he's able to do that, they're going to have success because you you got Morgan Burnett, who's a, a a solid veteran that has you know good football IQ. So they're going to throw some things at him on the back end that's going to try to confuse him. He has to trust what he sees, trust his uh, his playmakers to go out there and make plays. But I want to see consistency from him throwing the football. On top of all that and all the great uh, expectations we have for that game on the field on Monday Night Football, pretty fun narrative as well after the 2018 NFL Draft with Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold being two highly touted guys going into it and coming out of it as two of the top picks. That's going to do it for us here on this episode of the Advanced Route. Uh, As always, thank you for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, You can still get in on a uh, 40% off discount at The Athletic right now on a subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash the advanced route. You'll be able to get yourself 40% off a subscription. And that's The Athletic Wide. That's not just fantasy. That's not just NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, NBA, WNBA, NHL. Everything we do at The Athletic comes your way for 40% off. Emery? Another great show. Enjoy week two of the NFL. Enjoy the crazy football week you have ahead of yourself, my friend. (laughs) I appreciate it, Mike, man. Always a pleasure. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening again. We'll be right back with you next week on the Advanced Route.